to the Huntley Baptist Church podcast. We hope that this message can be an encouragement to you today. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist at extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com. Hey, welcome to our friends from Topo Baptist. Is Simon Alexander still pastoring with you? Not? Oh, just a year, yeah. We know Simon, good friend of ours. Yeah, hey, great to see you. Welcome again. When Martin Luther raised, or nailed his 95-point thesis to the door of Castle Church of Wittenberg in 1517 AD, the world was changed forever. It was kind of a protest to the status quo of the church that it had a powerful rule over much of Europe uh, since its establishment in about the third, third century AD. And Calvin's protest led to the rise of the protest or Protestant, Protestant movement of which we Baptists are just one of many, many branches, with the key foundational difference being found in our scripture today. So the revelation that Calvin received was that it was by grace we are saved, by faith, and this is not from ourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Wow. Wow, for 1,200-odd years, uh, people were kept in line by fear of an angry God who punished sin with little hope of salvation other than to keep the rules, do good works, and to pay penance to the church. And this shame and honor culture still exists in many parts of the world today. It's a great way to keep people in line. <laughs> but legalism is stink. It's a stink way to live, I know, trust me. <laughs> so this trickle of believers, starting with Martin Luther, soon became a great following as truth revealed to open hearts, you know, spread out amongst much of Europe, many of whom were martyred for their faith in Christ because they went against the system. Change did not come cheap. It cost many their lives to go against such a powerful stronghold of belief that ultimately, I guess, had to concede that change was, was necessary. God's word slowly became available in a language that everyone could read. And that wasn't the case before the Reformation, and priests could easily misinterpret the word to people for personal gain. Praise God, his word has continued to be translated and to remain authentic by brave and courageous and unique followers who have caught the, the heart of God to see the truth available to every tribe and nation. Are we excited about that? It's still going on, that people are getting the, the, the word of God in their own language. And this life-giving word of God needs to be read as a whole, really. It, 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 the whole 
canon of scripture really contains God's word. And not one verse sums it all up. However, it's amazing just how powerful one verse can be. Amen. And so we're going to look at that in a little while, in a few minutes. So I've called this message today, What's So Amazing About Grace? I kind of stole the title from a 1997 book written by Philip Yancey, What's So Amazing About Grace? Great book. And today is our third message in our series, Seeds of Hope. And we're going to focus on the meaning of this word, grace. So let's turn and learn from Ephesians 2. If you've got your Bibles or your devices, we are going to read verses 1 to 10, Ephesians 2. And I'm actually reading from the NIV today. Yay, surprise. (laughs) As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work and those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions or sins. It is by grace you've been saved, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast, for we are his, or God's, handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Good, good word, eh? Paul himself was raised in a strict Pharisee sect of Judaism. He knew all about rules and the shame and honor culture. And he assures his readers in Ephesus, many of whom were Gentiles, that there was no difference between them concerning the sin nature. He paints a dark picture of fallen man in verses 1 to 3. We've just read it's a pretty grim view of humanity. And the term all of us in verse 3 refers to Jews and Gentiles. We're all alike when it comes to sin, the sin nature. We all have a problem. Admitting we have a massive issue with dying to our sin nature is not only a great starting point, but also a massive leap towards embracing our new life in Christ. There really is no neutral position here. We're either in or out. The spirit of the air swoops on any who are not alive in Christ 
to continuously tempt with thoughts and actions fueled by the world. That spirit of the air is just waiting, swooping. Unlike the Lord who rules the heavens, when the Bible talks about the heavens, it's the space above the earth generally with an S on it. Uh, The prince of, of the air only rules the murky atmosphere of sin. Nowhere near as much power. He poses as an angel of light from time to time, but he only operates in the murky atmosphere of sin. He gets power from sin. A man that knows a bit about gratifying the cravings of the flesh, which we talked about in verse 3, is a guy by the name of Darren Mulligan. Darren is the lead singer of the band We Are Messages. Messengers, sorry. I was so impressed with his live performance and the truth he shared with the young people at Festival One that when I heard his interview, I was driving back from Raglan and got to the crucial point and got a phone call on the hands-free. <laughs> so I had to hear it again. And I was so impressed with this interview uh, that I felt my spirit leap and I felt it was something that needed to be shared with the church. So we're going to hear a little bit of that testimony. So let's hear a story now from, from living in darkness, sexual sin and drunkenness to now sharing the gospel through song around the world. Let's have a little listen. You might love it, you might hate it. I really don't care. <laughs> I want to honor God. And that's it. That's my whole gig. Oh, man. I wish Bjorn's right. I wish we were on a pulpit right now because you would I guarantee you would save a few of us broken people. And, you know, us included. Now, the last thing I want to ask you, you talk about the broken. You've probably reached up a lot of broken people, right? Thankfully. Yeah. What have they come up to you and said about huh. the impact that we are messengers have had on their lives? And they must be so emotionally rewarding for you yeah. as an artist and as a person yeah. can you share maybe a personal testimony or maybe yeah. maybe somebody yeah no thank you uh, you guys actually been very kind to me over the years too I've always watched and you see playlists from New Zealand and you guys have played our music constantly I don't need applause anymore I don't need any more awards you know young men want to achieve things uh, achieve plenty I do it now and I leave my wife and my four kids because I believe that this music allows people to get closer to Jesus. That's it. So their testimonies, it's... Not a day of the week goes by where someone doesn't message me and say I was suicidal. I was sitting with a gun in my mouth. I was here. I was someone who has been abused. I was someone in a marriage where I was being hurt. And your music comforted me. It drew me through it so that Jesus could rescue me. That Those things are so common. And I could, I could rattle them off. But the danger when I do that is that it sounds like I've played a more important role in that than I really have. We're all sinners trying to lead other sinners to water that will wash them clean. And maybe not this side of heaven, right? I may not quite understand how clean I really am because of Jesus. On that side I will. My job here is just to remind you, no matter how dirty you feel, Jesus can wash you. No matter how lost you feel, he can find you. No matter how blind you are, he can restore your sight. If you can't walk, he'll give you new legs. Spiritual, for sure. Physical, this side or that side. 
Like C.S. Lewis says, everything sad is being undone. And so when people come and tell me that there is a sadness in their life that has been undone through our music, I know he did that. It certainly wasn't me. It was Yahweh. You know, you know when you when you share about Jesus and you you speak, like it's right below the surface. Like I can see you you take a moment occasionally just to to settle yourself before you speak. Can I ask about your your journey with God? Like how you um how you came to know Him or where that yeah. started or what that kind of looks yeah. like? Yeah, uh, it looks like a tall, blonde, beautiful Scottish woman called Heidi, um, <laughs> who when I was uh, when I was a desperately poor human being. Uh, she fell in love with Jesus. That's 15 years ago. And uh, she loved me when I couldn't look at myself in a mirror. When I couldn't pull myself off the floor of a bathroom drunk out of my face. She loved me. When I cheated on her, she loved me. When I hurt the people closest to me, she loved me. When I abused and manipulated my way through life, she loved me. And then standing in a wee church in Monaghan, my hometown, when she had moved from Scotland to be with me, she loved me, and so when uh, when Jesus called me, I knew what love looked like and sounded like, because she had been with him. And so, yeah, it was 15 years ago, and you know, people say, I give you my life, I give Jesus my life. Yeah, maybe that's true. I struggle sometimes with this idea. Sometimes people will say, there's a song we sing, and I'm not going to get into whether it's right or what I am. Here we go. <laughs> the, the song says, right, you know, you know, uh, and when you called my name, you know, I ran out of that grave. For me, it's, I never ran out of a grave. I loved the grave. I loved sexual sin. I loved drunkenness. I loved the life I had. Jesus tore me from it. Like he tore me from it through his goodness. And he used the kindness of my girlfriend, who's now my wife and the mother of our four children, to do that. And so I kissed her, you know, two nights ago when we were leaving. She dropped me at the airport. And she sends me out because she believes this matters more, ah, more than me tucking my kids in. She's an incredible woman. I don't know, again, sorry, and I do think, I try to, Christian artists, are, we're too quick to talk like we have wisdom that we don't have. I'm just saying, I don't know much, but I know what love looks like, what forgiveness feels like. And the vehicle for that in my life has been my wife. That's where Jesus has predominantly shown up. And he still does every single day of the week. And so maybe, maybe one of these days, I'll get to be Jesus to her, you know? Oh, <laughs> so. that's beautiful. Right, thank you for sharing that. There's, um, you know, there's always power and just vulnerability and honesty. So uh, thank you. Ah, cheers. It's funny, it's a funny thing to be sitting in a field crying with a bunch of New Zealand lads. Um, <laughs> we only just met too, but yeah. I try, I try and tell my kids that, you know, because I suppose I'm, I'm a man's man, rough around the edges. And I want my boys to grow up to be fierce, to be able to handle themselves, to get in a fight, to know what to do, right? But uh, it's very important that they know how to cry and they know how to weep with those who weep and comfort those who need comfort. And, and until you're able to do that for yourself, you can never do it for anyone else. So if I stand on a stage and I don't know how to cry in front of two or 3,000 people, what good am I to them? And if I don't know how to laugh, what good am I to them? A good man can laugh, can cry, and if you're Irish, you can do it in the same sentence. <laughs> so, <laughs> beautiful. Well, that's us. Yeah, thank you so much. <laughs> cool. Really touched my heart. That already dealt with the rugby thing at the start. We, we missed that bit out. <laughs> so the first amazing thing 
about grace is that it's undeserved, undeserved favour. It's the first meaning of the word in the Greek. There's seven words that we so often overlook in this reading. And those seven words are, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Verse 3. You know, it's easy to glorify sin. You know, we've got grace to cover it. But it's a stench in God's nostrils. Without grace, we would be all facing the wrath of God. As our three-year-old grandson Lockie said, when the naughty bull hopped up on the cow, there'll be consequences. (laughs) Our old nature by nature, our old nature by nature drawn to sin, craving, craves gratification. But there's a power greater than the lure of sin. And we've heard it already. It's love. It's the power that's greater than the lure of sin. Grace is the vehicle for love to shine through the darkness of sin and selfishness. Undeserved grace applied with unconditional love will expose and shine such a bright light on sin that sin's power and hold over us is nullified by something much greater. Christ's love and kindness is reason enough to forsake the past life and live by faith. Sin is not dismissed or glossed over by by Christ's love for us. It's fully paid for by the shedding of his own blood. He didn't say, ah, it's okay. Doesn't matter. He said, I'll die for you. I will take your place because of my great love. Past, present, and future. Is anyone excited? Yeah. Our daughter-in-law, Lorraine, said to me just this week, it was the incredible love of Christ that brought her out of her old life. A love so powerful that she has never looked back. There's really nothing back there. The second amazing thing about grace is that it is transformative. See, without the transforming power of the Holy Spirit given to us at the moment we were born again, God's grace leading to salvation would soon be forgotten. And the familiarity of our past life would creep back in. Go back to the old habits, back to the old thoughts. The undeserved favor of God needs to be accompanied by the power of, of the, to resist the, the lure of sin long enough for it to be as dead to us. I'll say that again. The undeserved favor of God needs to be accompanied by the power to resist the lure of sin long enough for it to be as dead to us. We can't cast out the old nature. We have to die to it. It's there in the background, but we need to focus so hard on Christ. You know, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, keep your eyes focused on Christ. We have to be focused on him so much that sin loses its power over us. Men should have no problem with this. We can be reading or watching TV while the kids are fighting over Lego. 
the veggies are boiling over on the stove and there's someone knocking at the door. We don't hear anything. <laughs> Women, on the other hand, have been, you know, they've been tuned in to all three things at once. <laughs> Praise God for multitaskers, eh? And maybe this is a bad example, <laughs> but history has been altered by those who actually do focus on one thing and nail it. <laughs> the grace of our Lord Jesus isn't some nice, you know, additive to help us get a close car park. It's the power of God to drag us back from the edge of hell and set our feet on the path that leads to life, to eternal life. Now that's some power. To quote Lorraine again, our new life in Christ isn't hard. It's impossible without his transforming grace and Holy Spirit power. The third amazing thing about grace from this passage of Scripture is that grace equips us for his purpose. Let's just read verse 10 again. For we are his, or God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. No matter what season of life you're in, God has a purpose. You say, I'm too old, too young, too busy, too many kids. But there's a purpose for you in every season of life for you to fulfill. There's always more in Christ. We spoke about this last week. God's inheritance for us is more and more and more, and it gets better and better, and we get there, and he gives us the lot. But then there's probably more as well. There's more in Christ. He doesn't save us only to hang out to dry. He's not going to leave us. He has a fit purpose built plan for each of us a fit for purpose built plan we're not saved by good works we are saved for good works the greek word for grace has several meanings and one of them is to enable or to equip so the first meaning is undeserved favor transforming power and then enabling or power for the journey equipment for the job Someone once said it is the same word used for the tip of a Roman spear, a Roman soldier's spear. If you needed a prod to keep moving, you're marching somewhere, chances are the soldier behind you would give you a nudge in the backside with his spear to keep you moving. I'm not 100% sure on that meaning, but you can Google it. <laughs> in my experience, that is exactly what I have needed many times, a kick in the backside. Many times God has used Jenny's grace, a.k.a. spear, to spur me on. <laughs> I once went forward for ministry, a guest speaker somewhere, and um, the guest speaker said, turn around. He said, bend over. He kicked me in the backside. The pastor, the host pastor was horrified. Thought I'd never, never talk to him again. I knew I needed it. I said, thank you, God. Things have been slipping a bit. I knew I needed to get back to him. 
and to do things that he had been wanting me to do. Grace is so amazing, yet it is a, the free gift of God to those who believe. Not that we can even boast about that. One of the last words in Scripture is, in fact, grace. You know, despite the coming judgment of God and his, uh, and his wrath being poured out on the earth and the final showdown described in Revelation, John concludes with Revelation 22, verse 21. The last verse of the Bible reads, The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. That's how it finishes. That's how amazing grace is. Undeserved favor, transformation, prompting, enabling, and it's the last word of Scripture. Despite the world-changing revelation given to Luther that we are saved by grace through faith in a real sense by taking an overview of Scripture, we are saved at the cross. Amazing. Can never say thank you enough. Praise him forever. We are being saved as we walk by faith. And we will one day be fully saved, including a new body that cannot sin. Just because we are not saved by works does not mean works are not important. We just have to get the order right. Saved by grace to do good works. Grace comes first. Well, as we wrap this up, my first challenge for us all is to never stop marveling at the amazing grace of God and that he has transferred us from death to life. Undeserved favor. I've watched some mature Christians, especially since COVID, allow the grace which we are so grateful for become license to slack off, to lose their edge, and perhaps even finally their faith. People our age. For them, the pendulum has swung too far one way from legalism all the way over to license. At one side, license. At the other side, legalism. But they're doing what's right in their own eyes. You know, martyrs died for this freedom we now enjoy. Martyrs died for the truth of the gospel, the truth that we're saved by grace that we don't pay the church for our sins. Martyrs died for this freedom. Let's not turn that freedom into license. My second challenge, just to leave you with, is, is equally important, is that we walk in that grace, continually being prodded by the spear behind to do good works, tailor-made for us to do. Yes, it's tough at times, but his grace is sufficient for all our what needs. Not wants, needs. His grace is sufficient for all our needs. That's a promise from Father God himself. So go hard in his enabling grace this week. Amen.
Amen, Lord. We just thank you that you give grace upon grace upon grace in our lives. Fully, times we've stuffed up, we've fallen short, we've not spoken up when we should have, we've said too much when we shouldn't have, we've made silly mistakes, we've neglected your word. Lord, all these times we've disobeyed and paid the, the consequence, Lord, you've had grace upon grace upon grace. Lord, that's what's so amazing about you and about grace. But Lord, today we say we don't want to be under that wrath. We want to walk in this newness of life that Christ paid for. We want to have this new life in Christ, rejecting the prince of the air, pushing back the powers of darkness that would hold us back. We just pray we'd go and and speak and act in such a way that uh, we would be light, salt. And Lord, I, I know that's really talking about myself. So Lord, we just pray that we'd do that now. Kneel, as it were, bend the knee, and just ask for your grace to do the things you want, not just for all of the mistakes. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Huntley Baptist Church Podcast. We hope that it has been an encouragement to you. Please feel free to contact us at Huntley Baptist.